A few days ago, I released a short episode called A Moment of Need, about starting the Summer to Fall fundraiser early. If you haven't heard that and would like to hear the whole story, I've included a link in the show notes. The short version is that I need urgent oral surgery to repair a large abscess, and the resulting damage, in my maxilla. To get this done, I have to raise $1,770 by September 1st. If you're able to contribute so I can have this surgery, I'd really, really appreciate it. You'll be helping me to save my face, teeth, and the dulcet delivery of interviews, intros, and endings you've grown to know so well. Give online at paypal.me slash permaculturepodcast, or if you prefer, you can send something in the mail. The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. This is the Permaculture Podcast. I'm Scott Mann. My guest is the carpenter, architect, and builder, Kelly Hart. He joins me today to talk about earthbag construction, the subject of his recently published book, Essential Earthbag Construction, from New Society Publishers. In this interview, Kelly walks us through many of the steps required for building with earthbags, including the practical needs of what bags to use, what you can fill the bags with for thermal mass or insulation, some of the tools and equipment you'll need, how to establish a foundation, lay the courses, tie everything together, and also how to secure your doors and windows. After you've listened to this interview, you'll have a basic understanding of how to use earth bags for construction. With a copy of Kelly's book, you can learn the rest. Enjoy the conversation, and I'll join you again afterward. Then, Kelly, can you give us a bit of where you come from and what you did before you came to natural building and the use of earth bags for construction? I have done carpentry and building most of my life. I've worked as a carpenter professionally. Um, I've also been interested in sustainability from a, a very early age. So sustainable architecture and particularly earth bag building have uh, sort of fallen into that realm very readily. I am also a film and, and, and video producer. And uh, about two decades ago, I made a documentary film or, or videotape about sustainable architecture. It was called A Sample of Alternative Homes. And one of the kinds of building that I discovered was uh, something that at that time was called sandbag building. And um, it was being promoted by Nader Khalili, uh, which, and he, he, he then called it uh, super adobe. And, and I visited him and interviewed him and uh, put a little bit of that footage in, in the, uh, the program. But I had in the back of my mind the whole idea of, of making dwellings with earth bags. And so when I had a chance to create my own home using earth bags, I decided to use that approach and, and did some experimentation. And the more I worked with the technique, the more I realized what advantages it really has. And that was one of the things that I was wondering is why use this form of construction? My first introduction to natural buildings and natural homes and this kind of idea, if I remember the title correctly, it's like the $50 Underground Home, which was a very popular book and was very interesting to see what people were doing with that. And that led me to Earthships. And then over the last couple of years, I've been hearing a lot more about Cobb and straw bale construction. And I've, of course, heard this idea of earth bags, but it's not one that 
comes up a lot in conversations here, at least in the East, that often because people are more interested in straw bale or cob and just doing a long overhanging roof. And so we're kind of like overcoming some of those technical hurdles for the wet environment in the Northeast. And so I'm wondering from those kinds of techniques and what you encountered in putting your documentary together, what are these advantages of earthbag or sandbag construction? One of the primary advantages of earthbag building is that it's malleable in terms of both design, that's the shape and the the kind of configuration that you can build with earthbags, but even more importantly, the fact that the, the bags can be either thermal mass or insulation, depending on what you fill the bags with, uh, is an enormous advantage. For instance, straw bales provide great insulation and cob creates great thermal mass, but you can't interchange that. And um, there's, there's a, a design and, and thermal advantage to incorporating thermal mass with an insulated wall around it or, or depending on, on the design of the building. So those are, are, are a couple of primary advantages of earth bag building. And so that by doing that, you can tailor those bags in your construction to the environment that you're in, so that if you're in a colder environment where you would like a thermal mass on an interior wall to perhaps hold the heat of a wood stove or something like that with insulation to help you retain it, or push more for more thermal mass or more insulation depending on application? Absolutely. For instance, the house that I built at, at 8,000 feet in the Colorado mountains, where it gets very cold much of the, of the year, I filled those bags with crushed volcanic stone, kind of scoria, that is very lightweight and full of air holes. And so when you pack those into a bag, it becomes a form of insulation. And, and that worked really well. And when you're choosing that fill between insulation and mass, does that change the structural capacity then of the bags to support a roof? Like, are there different considerations that then have to be made? It would. And there's some kinds of fills that are not as able to have direct weight upon them, such as rice holes have been used with earth bags, but you wouldn't want to use that uh, to support a building or a roof. The crushed volcanic stone that I used actually was quite supportive. So, that wasn't a problem, but it's a design consideration for sure. And is this something for people who pick up your book, Essential Earthbag Construction, that they'll be able to find information on these different types of fills and their structural capacities? Or is this something that they should work with a reputable natural builder and architect to design something that will work best for them? Does this kind of fill that role for DIY construction broadly, or does it really, again, depend on application and need? The book that you mentioned, the Essential Earthbag Construction book that was just published by New Society, is very thorough in describing the, the kinds of fill material uh, and their application. And, and the, it, was, it was written with the intention of providing enough information for a novice to, to gain enough confidence that they could at least begin um, on some experimental building project. So that might be something like 
experimenting with, say, a sauna or a shed to get some basic hands-on applicable skills to start with earth bag construction before taking on larger projects. That would be my recommendation, yes. I really like that incremental approach because it's something that I've spoken with a number of people over the years is that for many of us, when we come to these ideas of natural building or sustainability, that it's from a previous career or a background that is not necessarily conducive to these kinds of skills. Part of my own story is that my father was a carpenter and built houses and taught me many of those things until I was about eight or nine, but then wanted me to go off and take on a more technical kind of job so that I didn't have to work with my hands and my body the way that he did. And so as many people are returning to these ideas, we have to build these skills from the ground up. And some of the materials that we first encounter were designed for people who already had these experiences, for people who were already builders, who were already landscape architects. And so now we're kind of coming in and need something to start from where we can get that experience and feel invited into these kinds of projects. Well, earthbag building is especially good for novice construction because it's so forgiving. You know, as a carpenter, the precision that must be executed to create a building um, requires a, a good deal of skill, and it takes time to acquire that. With earthbag building, there are, you know, a, a lot of, of rules and, and techniques that one should, should be aware of, but it's much more forgiving in terms of precision. Uh, you can push the bags around and, and fit them in ways that you would never consider possible with many other types of construction. I remember having some of those conversations with my father when he would have me work with him and we're quibbling over a sixteenth of an inch. And then as he explained to me the way that a sixteenth of an inch mistake here can grow into a one or two inch problem by the time we get to the other side of a building and the way that that can change or manipulate our use of materials or the amount of waste that we can create and how illustrative that was for me in that moment for something that didn't seem like it would matter that much but then yeah the way that those kinds of things can build and having something that is forgiving that idea of you know measure twice and cut once and how not being able to just glue that piece of wood back on can make it difficult to gain those kinds of skills from the beginning without the right environment and access to materials. But it sounds like with earth bags that, you know, if you put something somewhere and it doesn't quite work, you can pick it up and move it again, or even just change a design by unstacking some things and putting them back into place. That's quite true. And with earth bags, when you're building a wall, you use a, a heavy tamper to compact the, uh, the, the soil in, into a monolithic block, if possible, if, and that's if you're working with soil. But even with the, the, the loose volcanic stone that I used, I would still tamp it and, and get it into a solid configuration. And just by the way you tamp something, you can change the, the level of it, the angle of it. Uh, you can add more material in the bag if you need it to be a little bit higher. So it's easy to manipulate that way. And you mentioned earlier about weight. Is there a specific amount of material that you're looking to put into a bag? Or is it really based on what you're able to handle? Like, is this something that someone who is, you know, not necessarily as strong or physically capable could lighten their bags and put them into place and tamp them down? Or is it something that, 
you know, we should be looking for someone with certain strength and ability. Well, that's another area where earth bags have a, a kind of advantage because you can fill the bags in place with small buckets full or shovels full. And that means that you don't necessarily have to lift those bags. There's a technique that's, that's well described in, in the book of putting the bag in, in place on the wall where, where it should be. And then I haven't mentioned yet, but you use uh, strands of barbed wire four-point barbed wire go between every course of earth bags, and that tends to lock the, the whole structure into a more of a monolithic and resilient uh, structure. Well, you, you can lay down a plate of metal, a, a kind of slider that keeps the bag from catching on that barbed wire until you're ready for it, until the bag is perfectly in place. So you fill the bag up, and then you uh, close the top in, in, in whatever way is appropriate for what you're doing. And then you carefully lay the bag down on top of that Snyder and then yank the Snyder out from under it. And there's the bag in place and you have not lifted it. So whether it's a trowel full, a shovel full or a bucket full, you can load that bag where it is and not have to be filling it in one place and carrying it over and setting it there. Yeah, that really does make a I just think of my children, and particularly my son, and how much he likes to dig, and giving him a bucket full of dirt to fill a bag with. Yeah, it makes it possible for, you know, relatively weaker people to do it. Otherwise, I mean, if you had, if you were forced to lift those bags, it would be relegated to, you know, football players or something, because you're talking easily 100 pounds or more uh, if you fill a, a bag as full as it ought to be filled with soil. And then I'd like you to walk us through what earth bag construction might be like, because you mentioned the four-strand barbed wire. But one question before we get there is I was wondering, when it comes to the bags, are there specific bags that you're using for this? Is there somebody who's selling earth bags for construction? Are you just getting sandbags? Or are there different products and materials that you can use to create, make, or purchase for the bag? The most, most common bags used these days for earth bag building are polypropylene, and they're very common. They're often used for grain or other kinds of animal supplies, flowers and whatnot, and they are extremely strong, and the most common size for building is somewhat larger than the common sandbag that's used for flood control. Because you want a bag that extends, you know, perhaps as, as much as 14 inches wide on the wall in order to create a stable wall. And you can build with bags of other materials like uh, burlap or, you know, like pillowcase material or something, sheets that have been sewn up. But the polypropylene tends to be stronger and more durable over time. And that's with the caveat that you have to protect those bags from any great exposure to the sunlight. The ultraviolet in the sun will deteriorate the, the polypropylene material fairly quickly. So I always advise people keeping tarps over the bags if you're not working on the project at the time and putting a, at least a, an initial plaster over the wall as soon as you can. Can you walk us through what earth bag construction is like? 
from kind of the beginning to putting a roof on it. Some of the things that come to mind are, can we use our earth bags for foundations and things like that? Yeah, and, and the foundation is a good place to start because that's where you would start on any kind of a building project. Earth bags are unique in that they are actually their own foundation to some extent. Earth bags can be used as a foundation system for other types of building. For instance, people have placed straw bales on earth bag foundations and built that way very successfully. In that case, most often the, the initial bags are filled with gravel, and that provides a, a good drainage and stops the capillary action that would take moisture from the ground upward into the wall. And what is most commonly advised, if your local building authorities will allow it, is to first, before you start laying bags on the ground, to first dig a trench that would be your rubble trench foundation. And that should be dug down about as far as the average frost level in your site. And then the trench should be as wide as, as the bags will be. And then that trench is filled with cobbles or with urbanite, you know, broken up concrete or gravel. And so you create a, a kind of, of uh, trench filled with material that won't wick moisture and will carry that moisture away. And in fact, if you live in a fairly wet in environment or if your soil doesn't drain very well, it's often a good idea to incorporate into that rubble trench what's called a, a French drain that uh, is perforated pipe, large diameter pipe, that will then channel any collected water away from the building and, and the foundation. So that's the place to start is the foundation, as I described. And, and then once you get up above the level of, of the ground enough to be assured that, you know, snow or ambient moisture is, is not going to be impacting the wall very much, then you can start filling the bags with your intended fill material. And it's, it's a fairly simple process. I've already described some of it you know, where you you lay the, the bags down and then tamp them in place with a with a, a heavy tamper and then you lay down two strands of four point barbed wire along the course of bags and then you start laying more bags on top of that. And you lay the bags in a a running bond pattern, similar to how you would uh, lay bricks in a, in a brick wall, so that the bags overlap the junction between the two bags that are below it. And that way, you tend to create a wall that, that has a, a great deal of strength. And then as you proceed, depending on, on the design, there are suggested intervals and places where you can pound down into the wall sections of like half-inch rebar, steel rebar, to help reinforce the wall. And, and that's usually recommended at any opening for doors or for windows because those openings perforate the, uh, the monolithic quality of the wall. You need to provide a little bit more support there. And you continue in that fashion until you get up to near the, the roof 
And then at the top of the wall, you need to create what's called a bond beam that will be attached to the earth bags and provide a rigid kind of place where you can also then attach the roof. And that's with vertical wall buildings. And so that the bond beam is most often reinforced concrete, but it can be created with planks of wood or, or even hollow steel beams. And there's, you know, I can't get into too much detail about how you would attach it and everything, but just a general overview, that's, that's the process. And then for your openings for windows and doors, you'll be running a lintel across those then of steel or wood or concrete to support the bags that will be going over that opening as you go? That would be true with any kind of a rectangular uh, window or door. If your design calls for an arched doorway or, or window, you can create arches with earth bags in various ways. And that would create a situation where you wouldn't necessarily need a lintel that, that bridged both sides of, of the opening. So you can actually incorporate arches or, or circular windows or even triangular windows if the triangle is pointed upward um, into an earth bag wall without the use of the lintel. Giving you some very organic and natural shapes beyond this rectilinear kind of box that we're used to. Mm-hmm. And then when you are putting in like your doors and windows, are those you just put your frame in as you normally would and nail directly into the earth bags? Or do you have to put some kind of plaster or something else to attach to? Well, nailing into an earth bag is, is not typically a very secure way to, uh, to keep it in place. So it, it's a little bit different. Typically, you would create what's called a door buck or a window buck, which is basically a, a, a fairly wide frame of wood or metal before you begin to lay the bag. So you, at least for, for a door where it goes all the way to the, the ground or the floor level, you would get that erected and braced into place before you started laying bags against it. And then periodically, you would attach a kind of bracket that would connect the earth bag wall to that frame. And that bracket can be made out of uh, an L-shaped piece of metal or even a piece of plywood that, that has a heavy uh, end of wood attached to it. So that, that becomes a, a place to connect the door or window buck to the wall. And then those brackets can be connected to both the bags with, with nails that are punched both downward and upward into the bags and then screwed into the, uh, the frame. So you erect the, the door buck and get it incorporated into the wall as you build. And by the time you're, you're finished with the wall, it's extremely secure. Because I'm not familiar with home construction in this way, but from landscaping, that some retaining walls you'll wind up having one of my friends refers to them as like a dead leg, which is a piece that extends into the soil behind that wall, so that then as everything is filled on top of it, that that weight helps to retain that beam and then the wall that it's attached to. It sounds like that's something very similar that's occurring here to firmly lock those bucks into place and provide a way to attach our doors or build our windows in. Yes, it's, it's a similar concept. I really like the way that this 
form of construction comes together. It makes me, though I know it's not quite this simple, reminds me much more of Lego than it does of traditional carpentry or bricklaying or things like that, that we can get these pieces and put them all together and get them into place. It seems so much easier to approach than many of these other skill sets that are required that I grew up with thinking about like a modern home that's like a stick frame built. Yeah, it, it's quite a, a simple concept to grasp and it makes it uh, doable for a lot of people. Even though like I've had plenty of conversations on cob and straw bale and other things, it's just this form of construction seems to hit that thought process for me a lot easier than some of the others. And yeah, it's definitely, I'm glad that we're having this conversation and are able to explore it in this way because of what it's revealing about how this works. Uh-huh. I've had other people say that to me, that, you know, I, I think that this is something I can actually do. <laughs> and what you had mentioned earlier about needing to make sure that the bags are covered to protect them from the sunlight. What are you doing for that? Can it really be any kind of material from siding to plaster to really whatever someone has available? Yeah, anything that, that's put over the, the bags that excludes the, the sun from penetrating can potentially be used. And I have seen projects where, where wood siding is put over it. The most common application is a kind of plaster. You know, in, in a natural building world, earthen plasters are often the preferred plaster because a cement stuccos use a lot of cement, which is not environmentally very sound to be using. But then there are also considerations of durability. And I usually recommend that if you're going to put an earthen plaster on an exterior earth bag wall to stabilize that, either with some lime or some, some cement mixed in with the, the earthen plaster. On the inside, it's not so critical. You know, a standard earthen plaster can be used, or in some circumstances, uh, it's not, it may not even be necessary to plaster it. For instance, on the inside of a root cellar, for instance, that gets no light whatsoever, on several instances, I've put no plaster at all on the inside, and, and those bags have not deteriorated in many, many years. And when it does come to those interiors, if you're looking to build a home that's wired for electricity and your plumbing and everything else, are you running conduits along the walls for electricity and then running all of your plumbing down through the floor? Yeah, with electricity, you can use conduit, although it's also possible to to tuck the, the wire between the, the courses of bags, tuck it back in there far enough that it's, it's safely away from anything that, that might penetrate the plaster on the inside. And, and in that case, in the place where I built, the, the electrical code required the use of the kind of wire that's rated for being uh, direct burial. I think it's UF wire. Uh, but you can either put it in conduit or you can use it bare like that. For plumbing, it's best to keep the plumbing not embedded in the wall itself because it's just really hard to make any repairs. And so I usually advise that the plumbing be routed in either hollow wood frame stud walls that are interior partition walls 
Or if you have a raised floor, that's a good place to run the plumbing, as, as with a lot of kinds of construction. Or uh, you can put it under a solid earthen floor or, or other kinds of floors on grade. In those cases, what we're looking to do is to apply these ideas of natural building and construction with the code that's available to us and finding the ways that we can blend what we're looking to install and use with the construction method that we've decided to choose? That's right. With everything that you've guided us through from bag consideration to what this type of construction is like and how to finish the walls, is there anything else that you can think of that someone who's interested in exploring this form of construction should be aware of? Any problems or special considerations? Well, I'd, I'd like to mention that within the last few years, it's become apparent that earthbag construction can serve as a, an extremely resilient method for building in earthquake-prone areas. And this became abundantly apparent several years ago in Nepal, where a massive earthquake just raised whole villages and they discovered that the few instances where earthbag buildings, schools or other kinds of, of earthbag buildings that had been constructed, they sustained very, very little damage. It was just, you know, like a, a bit of, of cracked plaster or something. The buildings were still standing. So in Nepal, the government has realized that there's a tremendous advantage to earthbag building, and, and they are now incorporating that method of building into their suggested codes or suggested building methods. And that sort of attitude is, is happening outside of the U.S. for the most part around the world. Earthbag building is, is so accessible for people even in remote villages, because you can build a, a building with just, you know, a few backpacks laden with some basic materials, you know, bags and some barbed wire, and, and off you go to build your house. And you remind me of something that the architect Bob Tyson and I talked about in interviews years ago, is he was saying that in the, in the Western world, that most of our construction winds up going into labor, that it's like two-thirds labor costs, one part material costs, but that in many other parts of the world, it becomes that your material cost is the greater of the two. And I think about the way that, as you say, being able to take some bags in and use the material that's right there can drastically reduce the cost of construction. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that people are attracted to earthbag building, because not only do the materials not cost very much, but the labor can be unskilled for the most part. So you don't really need to pay professionals to come and build your house with a bunch of, of industrial uh, materials. It really opens up a lot of opportunity for people, regardless of their situation, to have shelter. And I can see the, the meaningful impact that this kind of idea and knowledge can have for helping to build up skill sets and create comfort in many, many different situations. And the adaptability to local environments, the way that we can use the on-the-ground materials, create something that is applicable really anywhere that someone could want to use it. Uh-huh. And I haven't actually mentioned domes, but I probably should say a little bit about making earthbag domes. 
Earth bags can be used to construct domes, and I've successfully done that. The house that I built, which was over 1,200 square feet, was composed of a series of domes connected together, and it's still standing after almost two decades. There are limits to the use of domes, and one of the primary limits is the environment where you intend to build it. Domes work exceedingly well in fairly arid conditions, but in places where you get substantial rainfall, it may not be the best choice because of the difficulty in absolutely assuring that the plaster is watertight. And of course, with the dome, the, the, the wall becomes the roof and it has to totally resist any kind of, of moisture. And that is difficult to assure in, in a damp environment. Another condition with earthbag domes is that you can't expect to build a dome any larger than about 20 feet in diameter because of just the, the dynamics of how the bags fit together with each other. And, and it may be possible to engineer a larger dome with earth bags, but to my knowledge, there haven't been any built. And so it would be uncharted territory for somebody to, ex to, to explore that. I think about the engineering that would go into figuring out that kind of design and how wide the bags would have to be in order to create the right course to stagger the dome inward. But certainly I'm sure there are plenty of people who will hear this and that if anybody's interested or has examples that they can share it with us so that we can learn more about this. Yeah, and, and all of this is covered in, in that book that was mentioned, the Essential Earth Bag Construction Book. And I'll certainly, for anybody who would like to learn more after this kind of teaser of these ideas in our conversation, to point them to your book and New Society so that they can dig into this even more. In the little bit of time that we have left together today, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners from your own experiences about what they might learn through the process of earthbag construction or really anything that you'd like to share? I can attest from my own experience that the process of designing and building your own home is extremely rewarding. You know, there's just something about being a human and being able to create your own domicile that is, you know, so essential to life and so critical for your own sense of well-being. And to be able to accomplish that with your own resources, you know, and the help of other professionals or people if you need that, there's nothing that quite compares to the, the feeling of living in your own space that you, you made. So I encourage people to consider that. It speaks to the power of a world built by hand, especially our own. Absolutely. But thank you for that and everything else that you shared with me today, Kelly. I really appreciate this introduction to your work and experience with Earthbag Construction and also the encouragement that it provides to me and many others to pursue this kind of work. So thank you for joining me for this interview. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Scott. And that was Kelly Hart, author of Essential Earthbag Construction. Find out more about his work, including the DVD that he mentioned, A Sampler of Alternative Homes, at naturalbuildingblog.com, and his book at newsociety.com. I like this interview because Kelly invites us to try our hand at building with earthbags. I find that invitation in to try, to make mistakes, and to learn, 
incredibly powerful and empowering. In the case of earth bags, we can begin with simple structures, like an above-ground root cellar or domed storage shed, to get comfortable with the necessary techniques before proceeding to something more complicated. With the way earth bags go together, we can stack, pull down, and try again, with our first structure serving as an in-depth learning experience. Using earth bags is also an inexpensive technique, making it affordable and accessible in ways other methods, where mistakes can be costly, are not. Looking at the cost of supplies and some sample projects, 1,000 of the polypropylene bags that Kelly mentioned are less than $400. Another $80 buys you a 440-yard roll of four-point barbed wire. And once you have those supplies together, you'll still need rebar, lumber, windows, doors, and your tools. But over and over again, I found many owner-built earth bag homes all over the world for under $10,000. And they come in all shapes and sizes. Multi-story, rectilinear, rounded, kind of funky organic natural shapes that mimic the land around them. Really any combination you can imagine. Personally, as I'm a lover of Cobb and the feel of earth ships, there's something about the earth bag as a construction base that appeals to me. It's natural building and rammed earth meets Lego. We get earth risen into walls, something that offers us security that we can build with our own hands. I can think of few things more comfortable than that. What do you think of this conversation? Has it changed your thoughts on building with earth bags? Is this a method you've used? Let me know. Leave a comment in the show notes or get in touch. Call 717-827-6266, email show at thepermaculturepodcast.com, or write The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. From here, the next regular episode is my conversation with Ben Goldfarb to talk about his book, Eager, and the role of one of the world's greatest ecosystem engineers, the beaver. Until then, spend each day creating the world and homes you want to live in, while taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.